0: Season. I'm on my game, Knox and Toby on this one. Don't tell me you win it, we already won. Kill in the city, get to run I don't believe it, cause we got the sun. Too many people we got in your song. That's why we fight laugh feast. Yeah, we fight laugh feast. That's why we fight laugh feast. Yeah, we fight laugh feast. Don't tell me you win Hey y'all, welcome to Water Break with Water Boy. It is Thursday afternoon. You're back good to be with you guys. Um, of course, I'll be over on YouTube, but you can catch us up on uh, Facebook and Twitter Periscope, um, So, but make sure you share the show, and uh, thank you for joining us. Um, we're going to be in Tennessee in September 9th through the 11th, and I actually have uh, Pastor Jacob Rayome, Pastor Aaron Rock coming down to do a SWAT talk with me. Uh, while we're there in tennessee and that swat talk is gonna be let me see if i can grab the title real quick let me see turn off the music here see if i can grab the the title is what we have the the, the title that we've basically came up with we are probably gonna massage it a little bit but kind of church pandemic and hard men uh really excited to have those brothers from canada down and the reason why make sure you guys sign up for that go to fightlifeeast.com to sign up for that conference just click on the tennessee event and uh We'll see you there, but the reason why I start there is because I have uh, Pastor Tim Stevens back on. You guys have seen him on the show before, and uh, uh, he's one of the, the good, hard men up in, in Alberta, and he's pastor, husband of one, father of eight, pastor of Fairview Baptist Church in Calgary, Alberta, and he, if you followed his story, he was arrested back in May, and of course, Tim, you can, you can uh, correct me here in a, in a minute, uh, and then was rearrested. Uh, kind of middle of June, uh, and everything. So pastor Tim and then release now. So he's outside of jail. He's on the other side of cell block four. um, pastor Tim. Thank you for joining me again. Really appreciate you, man. Hey, thanks Gabe for having me. So, um, maybe kind of, uh, I know you've probably told the story a couple of times, but for our listeners, um, you were arrested back in May. Uh, and then you were again arrested, uh, apparently under the same kind of false order, uh, in the middle of June, uh, maybe kind of replay th- how they came to arrest you again and then we're going to kind of walk through your actual arrest when they came to your house.
1: Yeah, our our Public Health Act, which is you know where they're issuing all these lockdown orders with regard to COVID, they have they have penalties there for people who, who break the rules, which includes fines and then a court summons where you can get charged $100,000, up to $500,000 repeat offenses. And so when, when they saw that that wasn't really dissuading uh, folks like myself and others from gathering together for worship, what they did was, was go to the courts and, and get a court injunction uh, against people organizing, whether that's protests, uh, having the restaurants open, having the churches open, uh, openly and, and defiantly breaking the rules. And so under that court injunction, then they can then put people in jail. And so that happened to me back in May, but because they served the wrong person, um i only spent uh, 3 days in jail and then they dropped those charges against me yeah and then they they re-served me with that uh, that same that same injunction and there was there's a different lawyers all involved in this and so the, the injunction really shouldn't apply to me although our government is 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 saying that it does apply to me and so uh, in in middle of june on june 14th was a monday uh Police came to my house and and arrested me again under that that same injunction. Yeah. And this was when they've already announced that that our province is going to be opening shortly. So July first, we opened, and it was it was that opening date on July first that that led to the end of that injunction. It was rescinded, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I was released from from jail later that that day on July first. So I spent from June 14th to July first in prison here because because of that that court order trying to get me to stop. Uh, gathering uh, for worship, and then be, being involved in that, participating yeah. in that.
0: And so that court order that they arrested you again under, they used the same court order back in May, and, and then they used it again in the middle of June, but it was specifically written for, I think, what, the, the Whistle Coffee Shop or, or something like that?
1: Yeah, the the Whistle Stop Cafe because he was a very vocal coffee shop kind of in the middle of Alberta here, a rural coffee shop. And it was written for him. And then the original injunction had anyone to like effect, so it means – if you are also blatantly breaking the rules and inviting others to come and to break the rules, you could be covered under that. But then there was an amendment that uh, that lawyers actually for for the Justice Center of for Constitutional Freedoms, which is the law firm that represents myself and James Coates, yep. they they got that order changed and that not those words and to like effect removed. Yep. But but the the government still contends that even with those words removed, because it because it mentions you know, the owner of that cafe. And it also mentions Jane and John Doe because they wanted to cover anyone who was working with him. Right. Um, and so under that Jane and Jane Doe, John Doe clause, they say that, that I'm included yep. and, uh, came to my house to arrest me.
0: And, and so is that how the health department is arguing or is, or is, the judge also kind of buying that argument?
1: Well, the the first time I was arrested, um, our, our, our our legal team, my, my lawyer, went and argued that it shouldn't apply to me, and uh, the judge wasn't. And 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 the the prosecution lawyer, the crown side, the government lawyers, uh, they they were arguing that it, that it should apply to me, even with those words removed, even with that update, and so the, the judge didn't really make a pronouncement at that at that time, um, and so when when they rearrested me again. Um, that, this, that different lawyers for the government were involved. And so lawyers that were, that were working for the government and also for our, our health authority. And then apparently th- what they've told me is that it was actually police investigators that, that reviewed uh, this injunction and what we were doing and said, yes, it does apply to me. And, and and so they're the ones that came to arrest me. So there are people in the police, people in the legal system, and, and who knows what the judge will eventually say about whether it truly right. does apply to me or not.
0: Did it apply to Premier Kinney? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> so you were in jail for I think it was what seventeen days.
1: Yeah, I spent seventeen nights there. So uh,
0: and two weeks of that was hunters. in like some sort of quarantine, uh, maximum security quarantine.
1: Yeah, the, the the remand center here in town um, is is a maximum security facility so these, these are guys waiting to be on trial and, and it could be for for crimes like break and entry it could be for murder and so you, you all all go to the mm-hmm. same place some guys there are convicted and serving sentences yeah. and uh so it is a maximum security facility you don't have much time out of your cell uh-huh. and uh and so when i went when i went in there the first the first 14 days you're going through this this covid quarantine and so they yep. they're testing you for covid you spend 10 days together with a cohort with people who who've, who've Gone into that prison uh-huh. uh, around the same time that you have, uh-huh. and uh, then they move you to different units if you're if you're healthy. Yeah. And so I went went through that process before. Finally, after after 14 days, um, or or, or thereabouts, entering into a unit where it was more like a, a regular kind of prison where uh-huh. where you have a bit more time out of your cell, where uh-huh. you interact with with more than just a few other inmates. Yeah. You know, maybe when you're out, out with 20 or 30 other guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that was kind of my, my experience going through there.
0: What was your for the first fourteen days? What was your interaction with the inmates while we you were there? Um, were they surprised you were in there, or what, what was their experience with you?
1: Yeah, the, the first few days in there, and, and especially with with the essentially six guys, uh, three three different cells, two guys in a cell, that we were together, and we kind of came in and were checked in at the same same time. And so you, you get to know your cellmate a little bit, and then you're out of your cell in those first few days, like maybe maybe half hour a day, Ugh. and uh, so you don't have much time to interact with the other guys, the other cells, because in that half an hour, I got to call my wife, call the lawyer, yep. you know, do those kind of things. Uh, try to try to maximize that time. Yep. But I did have a chance to to speak together with them, and and for that first few days, the first week, a lot of the guys coming in there, uh, they're coming off addictions, and uh, so they're they're in rough shape. You know, they're not feeling well. Yeah. They're sleeping a lot of the time. And so the conversations weren't that profitable. But after a few days, as, as these guys, um, you know, their, their systems began to clear, yeah. they, they were really surprised why I was in there. They thought it was unjust what was happening to me. And and all the inmates that I met through all my time, they were very supportive of uh, of what I stood for and that I was uh, operating according to my, my principles and convictions. You know, they didn't necessarily, um, you know, they weren't Christians or anything, but right. they, they agreed with what I was what I was doing, so right. they were all very, very supportive, uh, which was, which was encouraging.
0: When you know, in, they all, they when, all had my
1: back. They called me pastor, and uh, came to me with their, with their problems and uh, things that, that they were dealing with on the outside. Yeah, and I, I tried to help them as best I could.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's amazing when inmates see justice better than those on the outside of the prison. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, you got out of jail. So you ended up getting out July first because the actual health order that the provincial. Health order, um, uh, Kenny, uh, Premier Kinney allowed to expire?
1: Yeah. So, so the way that it kind of worked was they kind of they they hinged our reopening on, on the percentage of people who had been vaccinated at least with a first dose, and oh uh, so when they hit a certain yeah. threshold, then they give they give two weeks of opening. So so people kind of knew that July first was going to be the day based on the number of people who had who had gotten a vaccine,
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh, and so that was the day where where the health orders were rescinded almost, all of them, but, but certainly the ones that applied to any gatherings indoor, or outdoor, yeah. uh, there was no more restrictions on those, no more mask mandates mm-hmm. on those, like certain municipalities, um, cities and stuff still had mask mandates, but, but the province as a whole, uh, rescinded all of those, those health orders.
0: Mm-hmm. So your, your premier, uh, one of the things that, uh, I think, man, who, I can't remember who I was talking to up there. Um, one of your fellow pastors or I can't, man, I can't remember, but they are making the argument that your premier was trying to kind of mimic uh, our governor, Ron DeSantis in Florida, basically saying, Hey, we're going to be the first province to open up. We're going to, you know, look at me and look at our province, look at the freedom I'm giving. We're, 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 we're going to do this. Uh, is, is that kind of the impression that you're getting from your premier? Cause you know, voting seasons coming up and all that.
1: Yeah, there, there's, an, an election is not not imminent, but certainly they're always thinking about the next election down the road, and they want people to forget yep. all the that's what what's happened here. Mm-hmm. And so, certainly, he is he is poising himself uh, to be be the first province, the first premier to open up his province here in Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of that wanting wanting to be like that rock star kind of persona persona that we see uh, in, in Florida or in Texas. And so mm-hmm. he was. He was anxious to do that also in the beginning of July. Here, the, the Calgary Stampede is a yep. is, is a rodeo and uh, and, a, and a huge attraction for people all over the world yep. come to Calgary for that. And so uh, he really wanted that to be open. So a lot of people said that his his timeline for reopening was basically working backwards from the date of that stampede and then finding out what needs to be done yep. um, in order to get the province open at that time mm-hmm. and uh it, it, it was true before this time the his his own government seemed to be in, in a in a huge crisis there's a number of of conservatives after after being silent for so long uh, began to speak out uh within his own government yep. um yep. And, and even people with within his own caucus and they they got booted. Um and so now they they sit as independents in the oh, wow. in, in legislature. But that's has happened have heard it's happened in Ontario. Anybody who speaks out against the government gets gets kicked out of the party. Wow. But yet uh but yet voices were beginning to, to sound the alarm on on what was happening uh-huh. and the injustice of it all. So I, I think he he was listening to that and then wants to uh in in a sense um take take the credit for for navigating the province through this and being the first one to be open. And, right. and of course, praise the the vaccine as, as what was really the savior for our province and allowed us to open. Right. Uh, and try to move the, move the narrative off the, just the danger and uh, just the harm that the right. lockdowns and restrictions brought upon the people here.
0: Right. And so have you all just seen kind of the same narrative change with the Alberta health services? Are they kind of following premier uh, Kenny and all this, or is, uh, is there kind of some tension there?
1: Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to say they've really been, Really quiet. The, the The premier has has really been the the spokesman through this. Uh-huh. Uh, our our chief medical officer says, you know, she supports the premier, but she's always supported it. And there's been rumors that, you know, maybe they might not be on the same page on all, all these different issues. Right. Uh, and and, it, and it's really hard for so long. Whenever we're in a province where they're just hammering lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. This is going to save lives. And all of a sudden, in two weeks, it's all over. and It's all done. Yeah. Um, it, it leaves a lot of these people who who are who think it's a medical issue and not a political issue it leaves them scratching their heads wondering right. what happened
0: right you kind of a little rubberneck there what, yeah. um uh has since you've been released the second time have you had any politicians like reach out to you apologize or or you know besides josh howley here in the united states
1: yeah no it's encouraging to see the american politicians uh, support us here in canada and and I've had had a few of the politicians uh, speak at a rally when I was in jail. I and saw then, that. Uh, I had some others uh, write me a letter after the fact, and and these are for men who, who were vocal and then were kicked out of the government. Um, kicked so out of the party. Those are the men you mean, Do you who mean I've kicked out of the party? So I, I haven't heard from any of them. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Do you mean kicked out of the party? These men were kicked out of the party not yeah, out of the government. Yeah,
1: sorry, they're kicked, kicked out of the party, okay. so they're now they sit as independents. Uh, and no longer affiliated with that party because they've been kicked out for, for for speaking out. So I've I've heard from those men. They've written me letters and, and encouraged me, and uh, just share with me how awful that they feel uh, for what is what has happened, the injustice of it all. Mm-hmm. And so that has been encouraging. But it's it's only been those few, those few voices yeah. uh, that are essentially our political outcasts at this point right. uh, who have who have given support uh, to what we're doing.
0: What do you think? How do you think this has this affected or changed the political lay of the land in Alberta? Or do you think for the most part, Kenny or, or the premier is going to get reelected or, or I mean, what do you think the political uh, landscape looks like right now?
1: I think at this point, it's really it's really hard to say. Um, it seems that, you know, since the restrictions have been lifted here, a lot of people have enjoyed getting getting back to, to normal one of the things that i'm interested to see is is how our province now um as they as as the government is still has a number of charges outstanding against myself and james coates and others and and what they're going to do to those i think that what they're really trying to understand now is is on the political side of things is this going to help them and hurt or hurt them if they continue to try to press the charges that we face or whether whether it's more politically expedient for them to drop those charges right I think at this point they don't really know, um you know, what what the people are thinking and uh, their support, and so I, it's it's a it's a it's a tentative time right now for the government, and and I'm not really sure, mm-hmm. you know, where people are at. I I thought I'd have much more support really from Christians and from conservatives right. uh, for what we did, but I, I was I was shocked how how so many who who might have been supportive, you know, privately, but weren't really willing to say anything publicly, or to do anything publicly. Um, for the sake of the church or for freedom.
0: Even after your second arrest, you still don't see much Christian support from the churches there.
1: No, it seems that after it seems my my second arrest, uh, for, from what I'm able to understand, was was even far less publicized than the first, and and far less known than the first. Even All even in our right. city, a lot of the media outlets didn't even didn't even cover it. And so, you know, it was, it was this, this heartening as I sat in jail and realized that so many in our city of a million people, I did, didn't even know I was there. didn't even know what was going on. Uh-huh. And uh, it was, it was really through American newsletter outlets uh, that people in Canada were understanding, you know, some of what was, what Unbelievable. was happening. But it, it just, it just seemed, it just seemed like people um, just, just didn't want They didn't want to hear it anymore. You know, after what happened to James and myself back in May, it seemed like after June, they, they just wanted to move on. And uh, think think more towards the reopening and what that might that might bring.
0: So, uh, so what's your play then? Have you thought about doing rallies or probably you know trying to make things more public? Uh, you, you know what? I mean, what's your play right now?
1: Yeah, well, I'm speaking with the group of pastors here in Alberta that we're like minded on, and just over over the summer months just try to establish a bit of a network and friendship together uh-huh. as we anticipate, you know, what might be coming for the fall and, and other legislation that's coming down the pipe here in Canada. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and to be honest at this point, because, because you know, a, a lot of, a lot of leaders, uh, whether, whether Christian or otherwise have, have really not stood and, and been supportive of, of the freedom of the church and freedom of religion um, and, and for, for the priority of worship, the way that Christ has commanded. We, we've had so many people flock to our church so many people flock to, to Grace Life church where James Coates is at that yep. you know my, my my pastoral plate is is overflowing uh, with, with opportunities sharing the gospel with discipleship with oh. baptisms and so we're, we're looking for leaders we're looking to try to you know minister to the people that we have in our local church and uh, and then maybe as as the, as the summer goes on the fall um, begins uh, start thinking more about what 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 that would look like to partner together other churches, other leaders, Mm -hmm. and what what needs to be done uh, beyond, beyond the walls of our church.
0: What are your, on the legal side of things, what are your legal next steps? What are your options?
1: Yeah, legally, you know, the, the, I have, I have a criminal charge against me for breaking that court order. They decided to charge me criminally uh, rather than just hold me in contempt of court. Mm -hmm. And so there's a, 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 a law here in Canada, if you, if you break an order of a a justice that you can be charged criminally. So that's what they put me to jail with. And I still have that, that charge against me. And, uh, and then I have a number of public health act violations, which carry, you know, substantial monetary fines. I think it's over 2 million if you add to all the numbers. Uh And, uh, so, so those things are against me personally. And so there's a, a defensive battle to, to fight those those fines and those charges against me, mm-hmm. and then what we're also planning to do is is beyond the 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 offensive as well, and so the legal team that represents me they're in the works of a it's, it's called a, a charter damages case here in Canada where essentially where your constitutional freedoms uh, have been you know infringed upon by the mm-hmm. government and and my first arrest was was clearly um, unconstitutional in this in the sense that they did not even serve me and they put me in jail. Yeah. And even though I was telling them it doesn't apply to me,
0: yep.
1: uh, I was never served by it. Yep. And so uh, there's, a, there's a legal case there that we're bringing against the government there. Right. And then we're in talks right now with with Grace Life Church and, and James Coates to, to bring a, a, a bigger legal challenge on behalf of our churches mm-hmm. and, and ourselves as pastors uh, against our government for the lockdowns and the restrictions and, and all that has taken place in the last you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen months right. here in Canada.
0: Didn't you? Didn't you guys have some sort of uh, suit or um, uh, legal challenges already in the making that was supposed to in that trial or the court case was supposed to be heard starting in like September, October, or something like that?
1: Yeah, there was an, an injunction uh, filed against the, these lockdown orders yep. in December of 2020, and wow. uh, that was that has been delayed and was 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 rejected. And then it was supposed to come to a, to a, a fuller trial to, to test whether even these restrictions were constitutional or not. Yep. And so I think that's scheduled for, for later September, but it, it keeps on getting pushed. And uh, it, it, it seems apparent to us that you know the, the government just really has no interest in, in trying to defend um, wow. its lockdowns, you yep. know, whether they're justified or not. And so I, I think it's just a lot of lot of delays and legal wrangling, and so it, it might might be years and years until there's any any resolution to this.
0: And then whatever resolution is pretty meaningless, even if you guys were found in the right in all this two years down the road, it's like, well, what does that that didn't teach the government anything? That didn't teach anybody anything.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. And so I, I think I think you know part of, part of our our desire is to. You know c- continue continue preaching the truth of the gospel, continue to preach the truth of God's word uh, the foundation for freedom, especially as other other things are coming down to further restrict you know our speech and mm-hmm. uh, what we can do here and how we can counsel as pastors and as churches uh, to continue fighting on those fronts and see if we can you know persuade our other brothers and sisters and the Lord and other churches uh, to join with us and uh, you know make the government pause a little bit before they issue all these decrees and commands. Uh, that, right. that essentially they're, they're entering into the church and trying to, to dictate what we do as a right. church.
0: So uh, you you basically kind of referenced, it sounds like there's some social media laws uh, potentially coming down the pipe that would basically make, uh, uh, you know, hate speech on social media or their definitions of hate speech and other infringing um, social media posts illegal and with fines and arrest. And then there's another law, I think, that I'm aware of where it's going to uh, limit a pastor's ability to counsel um, those struggling with homosexuality, uh, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, those are two things coming down. And what's interesting in, in the preamble to that law that you refer to about uh, conversion therapy and about not being able to counsel someone, you know, to, to embrace their gender and their sexuality that God has given to them, that, that's according to the creational standard uh, that we have set down in nature and in Scripture. Um, in the preamble to that law, it, it says that, that this must be banned, this practice must be stopped uh, for the public safety, for the public good. And what's so concerning about that is that wow. so many people in this past last 18 months have said no. These, these restrictions are for the public good. They're for the public safety, mm-hmm. and so therefore they have they have jurisdiction to to make decrees that that impact the church. Yep. But they're using the same language for these other laws. Same thing with with internet censorship. It, it's for your good. It's for your safety. Why wow. You would not be exposed to these radicalized you know people and these radicalized messages. And so we must, as a government, take control of this and uh, and we wow. call it censorship. But but they call it you know for the public interest and the public good.
0: Isn't there like another law, or maybe do these laws also affect how you raise your kids? Couldn't couldn't you be arrested, let's say, for teaching your kids homosexuality is a sin? Or is there another law that's coming into play? I thought I heard something about that.
1: Yeah, well, well, part of that law in conversion therapy, it it has uh, stipulations there about about children and such. And currently, doesn't apply to your to your own children, Mm -hmm. Uh, but with with a lot of these laws, you know, they're, they're very to be concerned interpreted the is, yeah. concerned about the children. And yeah. so they, they get, they get their foot in the door and then they begin to expand that legislation, yep. uh, to, to broaden it where it's, and now you're not talking about society and, and what a school might do or a church might do, but then, uh, what parents might do. So, you know, this, this is just the beginning.
0: So, um, if these laws, how likely are these laws to pass? Well, that
1: conversion therapy one, um, bill c6 here in Canada is already passed our our, 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 our Parliament uh-huh. and uh, so these are elected members of parliament and then it, then it's it's in the Senate right now and so uh, it's expected to get a rubber stamp and approval in yeah. there and so be law um, be, before the summer so before the, before they break so sometime this month they're expecting that to be that to be law and then then the real question will be is uh, you know how, how law enforcement and how yep. how governments across our, our country will will enforce yep. that
0: yep. And then, what about the social media law? I'm not where
1: that is. I, th- I think it, that one got a little bit stalled okay. um, because of because of opposition to it on on both sides, mm-hmm. you know, of, of the government. So I think that one is is a bit further back in in, uh, in, in, in be becoming law.
0: Mm-hmm. So I mean, let's say let's say they both become law. Put this together. You, you've been arrested this last year for violating public health and then now they're going to put these, this homosexual conversion therapy law in place, social media law in place, all in the name of also the public good, public health. Um, at what point do you as a church start advising your people to leave Canada?
1: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that because that is a discussion that, that many are having and we have, we have some that are very vocal in uh, saying that we ought to have have plans uh, to flee, uh, there's others that are that are talking about you know as I look back in history you know when when is it right to to take up arms to form a militia those do these kinds of things, and uh, so these are some of the conversations that are going on as people try to search scriptures and search the history. I I, I know what I can say from for myself. Um, at, at this point, you know we we, we do have a, a government that can be. Uh, you know, dismissed because of an election and we still have the ability to, to elect a new government. And so um, we were not in, in a place where we're under, you know, tyranny that we see in other, other places of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and and for myself, you know, we still have freedom to educate our children. And so we homeschool and a lot of people uh, in our province homeschool our children. Yeah. And so if some of those things really began to be eroded where we just couldn't practically, you know, live out, uh, the Christian, the Christian life, right. Especially for me, if, if they were threatening to take away my children, if I, if I was to homeschool them, yep. then then I'd have the mind of, of sending my wife and my children uh, to a, a place where they would be safe yep. from that kind of consequence. But, but as a pastor, I feel like it is, it is my place to, to remain and to fight and to, uh, to, to still pastor the people that are, that are there. Yep. Uh, and so whether that involves me commuting back and forth or whatever it might look like, um, but to, but to remain and fight. But certainly we see that, that there are times to flee and there are times to remain and, uh, and, and God might impress upon people, um, you know, what, what he's calling them to do.
0: Yeah. The way, the way I've been kind of thinking about it and talking to others about it is, um, you know, if you have a good post to fight from, then, then stay, if you got a good church community, good elders, good pastor, then, then stay and fight, you know, um, Although you, you, and especially James and some other churches, uh, Pastor Aaron Rock, Jacob Rayom, and uh, Joe Boot, and so forth, uh, these other churches have seen some initial persecutions, some fines rack up, and so forth. I, I would hate to see Christians to immediately want to flee with just with with some of the initial persecution that you guys have seen. Um, right? It, you know, I think you know we're seeing here and, uh, on a. In, in the United States, uh, you're seeing some fights in the Southern Baptist Convention. You're seeing some fights in the in the PCA Church. And what I don't want to see is all, you know Christians starting to learn how to fight and then you know leave the Southern Baptist Convention. Convention, you just you just finally started to get it. You finally started to wake up. You finally started to learn how to fight, um, or, or started that process. Don't don't leave yet. Stay in the you know Southern Baptist Convention for an example, and, and keep keep going, keep pressing the issue. And and I think in the same way you know, um, as horrible as atrocity is for, you know, for James, I think he was in jail for 35 days, 36 days. You were in jail for, uh, you know, a total of 20 days. Uh, um, don't, don't uh, leave uh, based off some of that initial persecution. Don't wipe your feet. Don't leave. Don't wipe this dust off your feet from that city yet. You know, stay in fight. It sounds like you got a good supportive church, good, good elder body. And there's some other churches that you guys can kind of build a post and fight from. But, what I, you know, what I also would um, encourage Christians to do is as they think through some of these laws that are coming down the pipe. I think I think you 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 had a good kind of thought through this whole process. If it starts to affect your ability to raise your kids, raise your family, uh, and 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 raise them in the knowledge, fear of the Lord, because they're the next generation, uh, right. They're the next you know kids. Lord willing, that are going to come up, grow up in the church, and, and learn how to fight. Um, you know, so uh, you know, I. It's in some sense, my wife, my wife in some sense is like, man, I don't understand why churches just stop, just leave Canada. Just like make a big statement and get out of there and make a huge statement on, on Canada kind of pox on you kind of thing. I'm sympathetic to that uh, in a lot of ways, but um, yeah, I mean, I think some of this is just, I'm kind of talking out loud a little bit, but some of this, I think is kind of where you're at, what church you're at, what kind of elders, what kind of, you know, what progress are you seeing? you know, what battles are you able to fight and everything? I don't, you know, so I don't That's know. Right. Just kind of thinking out loud a little bit.
1: No, and I, and I agree. And I've, I've encouraged the guys who've talked about, about leaving and, you know, looking at places like in Moscow, Idaho or, or going down to Florida and stuff. And, and I've, I've encouraged them to stay because, you know, if we, if we were to leave as a church, you know, we're, we're in a city of a million people. And, and we're, as far as I know, the, the only church that was, was open publicly, you know, through this time. So
0: where else are all
1: these other Christians who have the conviction to worship, where, where would they go? Um, And so, and so we've received so many in our church. And so I I would love to see us continue to labor for the Lord here. And then, uh, like you say, uh, strengthen this outpost of the kingdom strengthen, Mm -hmm. you know, so we can encourage these families since that people who are in, are in poor churches, they do have a place where they can come and where they can fellowship together. And uh, so, so that's, that's really my goal is to have, have a healthier church here that would be a, a place where people can come and, and worship and, and grow together in the Lord.
0: You know, one of the things that um, we've learned here, so my pastor's father, uh, he, uh, Grandpa Jim, he moved his family here, um, my pastor included, he moved his family here uh, to Moscow, Idaho, which is an odd place to move to, and he did it because of his desire uh, to minister to this area. And he, I think they were in Michigan at the time, and uh, Grandpa Jim, uh, Jim Wilson, he uh, was formerly in the Navy, and and so one of he wrote this little book called Principles of Warfare, which has been really helpful, and it's basically principles of warfare and evangelism. That's what it basically is. and he kind of took some of the principles that he learned in the Navy of warfare and kind of applied it to evangelism, and. So one of the reasons why he chose to move his family here back in I think the 70s, late 60s, early 70s, was because Moscow is is on the border of Pullman, Washington. So there's Moscow and Pullman, Moscow, Idaho, Pullman, Washington. There's two universities, University of Idaho on our side and Washington State University on the Pullman side, seven miles apart, uh, and then basically there, there are these two college towns surrounded by farm fields and he was looking at kind of the lay the land in the U S and where to move his family. And he, he kind of thought of, you know, I want to move somewhere where it's strategic and it's feasible. Uh, and so, you know, New York city is strategic, but, but how feasible is it within kind of his lifetime? Uh, you know, Moscow Pullman is, uh, you know, um, uh, we like to use the Beauville is in Idaho Beauville's a population of like 30 people or something. Beauville is pretty feasible to take over with the gospel. Um, not very strategic uh, in terms of kind of just national politics and, and so forth. Moscow Pullman, to him, be, was very strategic and very feasible for, for a number of reasons. But one was because of the universities here. Uh, you got this this – Just every four years, you got a turnover of new population coming through these kids. Or, you know, how many kids in college make lifetime decisions that affect them the rest of their lives? Um, You know, the the, the decision process for college students is significant. Uh, And so, being able to influence kids, you know, 18 to 22, 18 to 24 years old, coming through Moscow Pullman through the two universities was pretty strategic. Uh, and then, of course, being in a small town, both, both our, our towns are small, 15,000 people roughly each, 25,000 when the students are here, uh, that uh, is a town that became very feasible. And so in our lifetime, we've actually kind of seen that principle play out here in Moscow, where we've seen kind of the strategic nature of being in a university town, and we've seen kind of the feasibility of, of, of what's happening. Um, you know, our church now, uh, my, our, our churches and some of the, and our p- church that we planted, Um, here in town uh, would probably make up, you know, 15% of the, or 10 to 20% of the voting population here in, in Moscow. Um, So we're, we're seeing kind of the strategic and feasibility play out. How does, when you, when I kind of bring up those principles and you're in Calgary, how do, how do you kind of think through what's strategic and feasible with what you're doing, uh, kind of given this, this new political world that y'all exist in?
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I think in in Alberta, you know, we have about four and a half million people, and and almost you know um, half half that population is in two cities: one in our, in our provincial capital, Edmonton, three hours to the north of me, and then and uh, another million or so people here here in the Calgary area um, where where we are. And so the, these cities, both of them, are, are very influential. You know, these are the the political and economic uh, hubs of, of our province you know Calgary is is the you know the the oil and gas you know center where all the all the offices for all these oil and gas companies yeah. and, which is our, our biggest and most profitable industry um, here in Alberta mm-hmm. and so there's there's certainly um, much much influence here we have a number of, of universities and colleges here in, in our city and so there there's a, a great opportunity and in terms of the feasibility you know that that may be a question that's it's more difficult for me to answer at, the, at this point. It's just um, the the influences that we have here in Canada, and uh, and and the the, the media, um, the 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 weakness I, w- I would say of of churches mm. um, where we are it is certainly a hindrance um, at, at this point. And, and I was I was surprised that even you know. After after James had been put in jail, it, it, it seemed like you know when you mentioned your wife says that if a number of Christians or churches fled Canada and went to the United States, what a, what a statement that would be, and I thought when when James Coates went to jail in, in a conservative province, you know what a statement that is. Mm. I, I thought you know we we're going to have churches all over the province, you know, suddenly just just uh, cry out injustice and open their doors yep. and, uh, and 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 make a huge noise. Yep but we we didn't see that at all. Wow. And uh, and so it, it seemed to even even grow quieter and quieter as as the government continued, mm. you know, its crackdown upon yeah. churches. And so in, in terms in terms of the feasibility, you know, this would this would it, it doesn't it doesn't look good in terms of when you put things down on paper. Yeah. Um, but at the same time you, you know that that God, you know, can use a remnant of believers and, and I'm, I'm astounded at how how God has has worked through this time. We as a church have been, been praying for revival, praying for opportunities to share the gospel, mm-hmm. praying for God to do work. And and while you know, the work that He's doing is, is not in, in a in a place where it's affecting you know the politics and and the nature of our city, mm-hmm. um, but but God is, is faithful and uh, He's increasing His flock. And and so I'm 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 encouraged by that. And and I trust that this this would continue to grow. And then perhaps as, as our government grows further tyrannical and, and imposes these, these other laws yep. uh, that, that other men would, would be courageous and bold and, uh, stand upon the word.
0: I think one of the things that's been helpful for me in this whole pandemic is, is really how clear it's become that reformation revival, um, how, how much it needs to start in the church, how, uh, gospel revival Actually needs to start in the church. We don't have a problem out there, although we do out in, out in culture, out in society. Uh, society needs reformation and revival, but how much the church needs that? That's that's kind of the, the pews are dead.
1: That's right, and and really even among the leadership of the church. You know um, I know I know there are guys that are in in churches where even though they're the pastor their their hands are a bit tied because of, of their leadership structure or other guys that are on the board and and such and so, so my, my heart breaks for them um, but yet yeah, there are, there are so many leaders that, that do have have influence in their church that that do have the ability in their church. And, and yet the, the, the refrain is always not yet, this is, this is not the hill to die on. You know, I agree, but but not um, now. And it just seems like, well, well when, you know, yeah. we, we've already had so many laws passed here in Canada that are, that are contrary to God yep. and, and to his word. And so is, is it, we've, we already have, you know, creation uh, outlawed in our schools. We, we already have, uh, yep. you know, uh, gay marriage and all of that and, and, and all that. Critical theory and all that is, is all. I know you guys are having a fight in your schools down there, but it's already all in the school. Not my school.
0: I got my kids you know? in Christian school. <laughs> you know? But, but,
1: but this, this has been here a long time ago. Yeah. So i like, so so when when are we going to start to say to say no
0: yeah. and
1: uh, and and to start to to speak truth and 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 to resist? I think we're in a mentality here in Canada where we're constantly wanting the wider culture to like us, and if they like us, then they'll like Jesus. Yeah, and, and they're right. going to like us when when we look like them. Right. And so, in, in so many respects, we we want to look like the world, and and that goal is an evangelistic goal, so they like uh-huh. Jesus. But it, it just it just doesn't
0: work. Um, last last question here, and I know you need to go, but um, uh, you know, what has it's got to be odd experience to be arrested and then go get rearrested. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of like uh, you went through a roller coaster. You felt all the jitters from that roller coaster. And then you're like, well, I'm glad that's over. I don't want to ride that roller coaster again. And then God puts you right back on that roller coaster. Um, you know, what have you kind of going through this experience? How has that affected your view of of ministry and what you're doing as a pastor?
1: Right. It, it certainly affected my view of, of ministry in the future because it's not just myself or my wife or family, you know, but our church is is we're already thinking about you know when I go to jail again as in it might not be for COVID restrictions, might be, might be for something else. And uh, so that's already in the mind of our people that that going to prison is a real possibility for, for church leaders. And, and the first time I was there, it, w- it was a, a jarring, shocking experience. Although although having time to process that before getting re-arrested
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and even having uh, a tip ahead of time that the police were on their way to arrest me yeah. uh, f- from my lawyer and were able to contact uh you know some Rebel some, media. some local media, yeah. which is which is even why why I, I know I, I love I watch watch you guys kind of review the the footage mm-hmm. of, of that arrest on my driveway, mm-hmm. and uh, I appreciate the things that you guys say. But that, that was a blur to me, and so <laughs> I didn't even remember that until watching that afterwards. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so that was a bit of a blur. But but going to prison a second time, I was much more prepared mentally, yeah. uh, theologically for for what was going to take place and transpire, and so I, I feel. at at this point going there twice uh strengthened in in my resolve to continue the fight and and also strengthened in my resolve that that the consequences that the government might throw against us right um they're they're not gonna they're not gonna dissuade me and so you know amen go spending 20 days in jail you know and, and if they threaten six months they threaten a year you know that that won't dissuade me from doing what i what i'm convinced in my conscience um is right before god
0: yep uh, have you met with your arresting officer since you've been out? I, that was one of the things I did. Um, I met with my chief of police and my arresting officer when I got out of jail and some of my court proceedings were over. Have you, uh, pursued them? No,
1: I haven't. I haven't, haven't spoken to, to those guys or other guards that I had met in prison. So you should that might that. be one, one, one thing to, to follow yeah. up with for sure.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was just a private meeting and I just, I said, I'm glad to meet, in your office. I don't care. I mean, I just wanted to pursue and so um I'd I'd encourage you to do that. It was um it was still disappointing <laughs> what their responses were. But I got a I mean I sat there with an hour and a half with my chief of police and then I sat uh had a follow up meeting with my arresting officer for an hour and um uh you know I was glad I was glad I was pursuing them. I'm the one I was happy to have a conversation. Like no one wants to talk about these things and uh so yeah, I'd encourage you to pursue it.
1: Good, good.
0: Yeah. Uh, Pastor Tim, I mean, we really appreciate your your ministry here and and what you've done in Canada, and we're we're praying for you. And, and you know, you got an army of saints here in, in the United States praying for you and wanting to help. Uh, is there is, what are your needs right now? How can we be praying for you? And and if there's any website you can connect uh, us to, uh, you know, what are your financial needs? Uh, just lay it all out.
1: Right. So I, I just want to say thank you to all those, um, you know, all your viewers and, and others who have been so very supportive. It, the support has been overwhelming in terms of the letters that we've received from all over the world, uh, financial support. And so really um, what, what, what we tell people is, is continue to pray because there are a number of charges and legal battles that are before myself and, uh, and, and others here in Canada that, that we're facing. If, if people want to want to help financially, our, our legal defense that then we're represented by the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom and uh, jccf.ca is their website mm-hmm. and uh, people can make donations to our to our legal fund through that and uh, if they want to continue to support um, our church then go to fairviewbaptistchurch.ca and, and details that are there and uh, funds that we receive we want we want to continue to um, you know the the church that we have here you know loves loves me loves my wife very supportive you know our our needs are cared for uh, but if people want to c- help towards the gospel ministry here in Calgary and in Canada, then, then that's appreciated. And we seek to be good stewards of all that people give to put it to the Lord's use.
0: What's your church's website?
1: Fairviewbaptistchurch.ca.
0: .ca. Well, Pastor Tim, thank you for joining us. Uh, folks be, be in prayer for him. Of course, follow those websites if you can. And um, uh, if you have financial abilities, uh, there's a big fight that's happening up there. Support our brothers be reinforcements with your prayers and with your finances. Uh, until next time, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Make sure you download the app, the Fight, Laugh, Feast app, where you can consume all our audio content. It's uh, uh, and uh, We got a great show coming up on Sunday special. We got a, a, a gal running for lieutenant governor here in Idaho. A lot going on in Idaho. Uh, and and of course a lot in the news so we hope you guys tune in for the Sunday special Sunday night 7 p.m on Facebook YouTube and social media and don't forget catching us on DirecTV and Xfinity until next time love God and go fight laugh and feast